For the past two years, I have been reading and listening into this case that really caught my eye. This is MWCC, and today's episode, Kept Virtue, is brought to you by the City of Richmond's Crime Stoppers. Crime Stoppers is a nonprofit program based here in our city that relies on the cooperation between community, news, media, and the local RCMP to help aid our city's safety. I would like to greet and inform all my listeners to the MWCC show with a warning as usual, since I will be talking about a graphic case. Today's episode is called Kept Virtue, and I am your host, Miriam. Keep listening for more. Before we begin, I would like to call attention once again to the subject of this episode may be a bit disturbing and unpleasant to certain listeners due to its graphic content. Without further ado, let's ease into this case cast. On March 8, 2001, Sandra Renee Cantu was born in Tracy, the second most populated city in San Joaquin County, California, United States. Cantu was an outgoing and extremely likable girl who made people often laugh and smile. She grew up as your average young American girl, living in her trailer park with less than a hundred residents. It was a close-knit community who trusted each other, or so they thought. It was an average day for eight-year-old Cantu, 27th of March to be exact. She had came home from school and wanted to play with her friends, as any kid would honestly, pre-pandemic. Hours and dinner passed and there was no sight of her. Worry started to rise on the whereabouts of Sandra. Her mother Maria's phone started going crazy, flooding out with calls, and she started looking desperately for her daughter around the park. No one had seen Sandra for hours. Just before 8, at exactly around 7.53pm, Maria calls Tracy Police Department and reports her daughter missing. Now, just for a background, there is a 72% chance of finding a missing child in the first several hours of their vanishment. And when you think about it, every hour that passes by just lowers and lowers your chances of finding anything other than a body. And from child abduction statistics, we know that if a child has been abducted from either a stranger or someone that they knew personally, the likelihood the child gets murdered is within the first three hours, which really worries the police since it has been well over three hours by the time Maria decided to call and inform about her missing daughter. Now there was only one problem with this case. There was only one witness that saw Cantu alive, and it was her grandfather's security camera. As night fell, no signs of Cantu were evident at all. The Tracy community had come together to hold a memorial on the evening of March 28th. Investigators and local officers were there to lend support as well as to look for potential suspects. Despite the weather, the memorial went on through the night. Then suddenly, in the middle of the memorial as people were mourning, a woman frantically disrupts the whole thing and just starts running up to the FBI agents and screaming and saying the following, I found something. It says Cantu. Now, this lady was yelling like crazy and she was immensely telling the officers to follow her towards the trailer park's mailboxes. And the officers look down and see something that completely stunned them. An anonymous note that stated the following. Cantu locked in stolen luggage at Bacchetti Road and Whitehall. Signed, Witness. For the next 10 days, the police conducted a thorough investigation with every method possible. From using dogs, ATVs, and helicopters. And even enlisting the FBI by this point to help with things. 
such as interviewing and polygraph testing with family members, neighbors, and local registered sex offenders. Then, out of nowhere, on the morning of April 6th, workers and farmers found a suitcase floating in a holding pond. It was everyone's worst fear yet relief. Sandra Cantu's body was found curled up in the suitcase. And as you can guess, by then, this missing person's case had turned into a homicide investigation. Now, while all of this was happening, the woman who found the anonymous note had became a very active person in this investigation by constantly offering clues and wanting to help the police. She provided the police with accusations that ended up being false. This woman's name was Melissa Huckabee. After some time, the police started to view her as a person of interest rather than an innocent neighbor. It was soon discovered that on March 27th, the day of Sandra's missing report, Melissa had made a call to the trailer park's manager to report that her suitcase was missing. This started to make investigators hone in on Melissa as a prime suspect. During the investigation period, Huckabee had coincidentally admitted herself to the hospital from April 4th to 9th after an attempted suicide by swallowing knife blades. I also want to add to the fact that while she was in the hospital, the police and FBI had acquired warrants to search things like her home, car, and her father's church, which she taught Sunday school at. Later, all these warrants would help unravel all the clues that they would need to eventually lead to the resolution of the following. Security footage of Melissa leaving the trailer park with Cantu secretly in her vehicle shortly after she got home from school was found from the same day that she went missing. This all matched with the timeline, but not her alibi when she was first questioned. And I think from common sense, a murderer would know the address of where they left the body. The blue sticky note found in Melissa Huckabee's car had the exact address of where Cantu's body was found. They also found a notebook hidden under one of the seats of her car, and the paper inside it was the same type of paper that they had found on the note at the memorial that was written on. And lastly, a couple had solid evidence and exact time frame of that they saw Huckabee's exact car, an SUV to be precise, with the door opened and her coming out of a ditch on the same day that Sandra Cantu went missing. Five days after Huckabee was released from the hospital, police had more than enough evidence to proceed with this investigation. They acted like nothing had happened and they simply just asked Huckabee to come down to the deputy's department for a formal statement, but little did she know they really knew everything she wouldn't have expected anyone to know about her lies and her whereabouts. After six ruling hours of interrogating, Melissa Huckabee finally tearfully confessed, but she won't admit to murdering Sandra and claims that it was all an accident. I will now play an actual clip from her interrogation video. <laughs> I told you it was an accident, I know it was. <laughs> Accidents happen. <laughs> On April 10th, 28-year-old Melissa Huckabee was arrested and charged with the kidnapping and murder of 8-year-old Sandra Cantu. 
Her other charges of rape and drugging were dropped during sentencing, which, when you think about it, really shows the strength this case held. On June 14, 2010, Melissa was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Prosecutors say that had the case gone to trial, she would have gotten the death penalty. Sandra Cantu may have walked off camera, but she will never walk out of the hearts of the loved ones that she cherished and that cherished her. That case was very interesting and honestly one that I've always been interested in just because of the gruesomeness of it. The reason why I found and continue to find this case so jarring is just because of what Hakimi did and how much national attention this got. It is so unimaginable knowing that, fun fact, her daughter, Melissa Huckabee, was best friends with Sandra Cantu. Now, this isn't confirmed, but authorities speculate that this was all out of hate and jealousy that Sandra was stealing her daughter away from her. Till this day, Huckabee has no reasonable motive or reason why she did this other than being just a sick-minded individual. And when you think about it once again, Huckabee was really her own enemy by creating this emergency then wanting to be the one to solve it and she just wanted to be the hero, she wanted that attention that she lacked of. Throughout this whole entire timeline from beginning to end, by helping giving clues and evidence that would later all lead back to the murderer and words herself. So that's it for today's episode in case. I would like to thank all of my amazing listeners for your time. Make sure to look out for our next episode and like our Apple Music Anchor and the website. Next week we will continue to talk about our next case. This one's a cold case. It's about the discovery of Elisa Lamb's body in a hotel water tank. Don't forget to click the link down below or on the website to write me any notes, send me questions, or suggest what case I should dive into next. And once again, one call can make the biggest of difference, so make sure to stay aware of your community and call the Richmond Crime Solvers when in need. Don't forget, stay curious. MWCT is a wrap.